So Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about the child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Today in the city of David, a saviour was born to you. So I have a little terrier, Rusty. He's 15 years old, and to see him is to love him. At 15 years old, Rusty, like many old people, and he is a people, he can get a little bit cranky. Sorry to old people, maybe I'm just reflecting on myself here. But he gets a little bit cranky, uh, particularly uh, when the kids start fighting each other and, and arguing, uh, and he'll join in. But, of course, he joins in with teeth. Particularly has a penchant for attacking my daughter's feet. And at some point, I'll hear this, Dad, come and get your dog! At some point in life, we all have dogs that are nipping at our feet and that we need saving from. Sometimes they're a, a little dog, like my Aussie Terrier, but sometimes they're a big dog. My little dog is, look, he's potentially dangerous, but he's actually pretty easy to deal with. But you get a big Doberman or Alsatian coming at your throat and suddenly everything changes. A medical diagnosis, threat of bankruptcy, a friendship gone wrong, or a temptation we give into, a guilt and condemnation and shame that condemn us. And then there doesn't seem to be anyone who can help. Where do we go? Where do we go when we need a saviour? Well, I presume most of us here are Christians today, so we all know the answer to that. We go... To Jesus. But how often do we not go to the Lord? How often do we look elsewhere when hardships come? How many of us, our first instinct is to go to Jesus in prayer and to find comfort in God's word? And maybe it is for you, which is great. But, you know, as a pastor, I've attended many conferences over the years and uh, often with a, a big note speaker promising me to help me grow my church because everyone apparently is meant to want a bigger church 
But the thing I discovered going to all these conferences is it never worked. And it wasn't just me, just for the record. A lot of pastors found this just doesn't work. And the fact is, I was looking for salvation from the wrong people. In fact, Jesus didn't tell us to grow his church. Jesus said he'd grow his church. Jesus said, make disciples. It's not actually something he tells us to do. And then sometimes we're looking for the right saviour, Jesus, but we're looking in the wrong place or in the wrong way. And I'm sure you're familiar with the context of the Christmas story and the context of Israel that was under Roman occupation and awaiting the Messiah to come uh, who would lead the armies of Israel to victory and liberate the nation. And so when the, uh, the, the shepherds uh, see the angels, can you imagine what their reaction must have been? I mean, they say, you know, let's go and see, but it's like, is it time? It's, it's time, isn't it? The Messiah is here. It's time. The angels declared the birth of the Savior, the, the, the long-awaited Messiah had come and gave them a sign. And, you know, the Messiah has come. Angels is pretty spectacular. You're going to expect a bigger sign. But the sign is actually very simple. A baby lying in a manger. Ordinary. Now, I reckon for a bunch of rustic shepherds, that's actually a pretty relatable sign, isn't it? You can, you can see a pretty good choice if you're going to declare something simple like that, particularly a baby lying in a manger or a, 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 a food trough for animals. And let's face it, for you and for me, if we had angels coming and telling us, we'll, we'll take whatever sign we're given, right? If an angel comes and appears to me in all that glory, I'm, I'm going wherever it says. And so into town they go not a big place so it's it's not hard to track down the probably only child that was born that night and there he is just as the angel said and i wonder what the shepherds do next i wonder if uh, like our our shepherd with the staff over there they sort of stand off well a lot of our nativity scenes have the shepherds sort of standing off uh, respectfully looking on well, like our green pal there, do they get down to the Messiah? And I wonder if they ask, can we hold him? The Messiah has come. Here is the answer to all our problems. And, of course, the angels can't help themselves, they tell everyone about it. I wonder what that looked like, though. You hear these angels who, these shepherds who, you know, simple, rustic folk, country folk, not well educated, come and tell me, angels filled the sky and there was this baby in a manger who is the Messiah. It's happening, it's happening. It's like, how would you respond to that? What have you been drinking, fellas? So Luke says that everyone who heard was amazed or astonished, depending on your translation. But that word amazement and astonishment doesn't always accompany belief. 
In fact, it can sometimes have a negative connotation. And in fact, sometimes God is astonished at people's unbelief. And I'm sure you've been in a position where you've heard a story, a pretty spectacular story, and you're not quite sure what to do with it. You're sort of a part of you is like, really? That's amazing. Part of you is like, yeah. Or maybe you've been on the other side where you have had an experience of God. And you just want to tell everyone, but you can just tell them, mm, not really buying it. We all want the spectacular miracle story or the angels appearing to us or God speaking to us out of heaven. And we're sure if I had that testimony, it'd convince others. But, you know, I recently heard a statistic that for many Aussies, claims about healings and miracles are actually a turn-off for the gospel. They're less inclined to believe if you come out with a spectacular story. Isn't that interesting? So maybe if you haven't had the spectacular story, you're on the front foot in this regard. And look, that is not to invalidate experiences of God. God still works miracles. Just in the last couple of months, I I don't know the gentleman involved, but my stepfather's nephew was over in New Zealand running, I think it was an Ironman event. And he's running along and had a heart attack, just collapsed. And a whole series of coincidences aligned uh, to help save this man. One of them was... The next competitor behind him was a cardiologist and there were other things happening along the way as well. Nevertheless, they expected him to die. They didn't expect him to make it. Then when he didn't die, they expected him to have brain damage, multiple organ failure, amputation. Then when none of that transpired, the last I heard a few weeks ago, he still had a little bit of kidney damage he was recovering from. The doctors are like, we can't explain this. This is a miracle. They were using the word miracle. There there is no medical explanation for this guy's recovery. And as a result, this man is reconsidering his faith because he's, I don't know if he's been a full atheist. I think he was an atheist. He certainly wasn't a believer. That's really exciting. God is at work. But I reckon... There might be among some of you, and if not among you, there's plenty of other people I could go tell that story, and it'd be like, yeah, but was it really a miracle? I mean, there's got to be some other explanation, doesn't there? And anyway, even if I do believe it, what difference does this make to my life? Where's my miracle? Now, maybe you're just, and I can hear a few of you are, just as encouraged by that story as I am, and and that's good. But the problem with, in the everyday world, uh, the, the spectacular stories, is, is they're fairly rare. And even if I do believe your story, it's your story. It might encourage me, and as a Christian, it will encourage my faith, but it doesn't get rid of of the dogs nipping at my heels. And in any case, for the shepherds, 
The angelic visitation. I, I like that picture we had up before. It had a lot of color and stuff in it. The, the angelic visitation wasn't the sign. It was just an announcement. Now, you'd expect a pretty big announcement. God has come to earth. But it's not the sign. It's just the announcement. The sign, the sign itself is an ordinary baby born into obscurity and laid into a borrowed crib. How would you feel about that as a new parent? Now, of course, this baby is the king of the universe in disguise. This baby is the Messiah who will die on the cross so our sins, for our sins so we can be reconciled with God. This baby is the sign that points to himself because there can be no greater sign than him. And it's all the same when Jesus grows up. So in John 12, 32, we read, uh, this is Jesus not long before he was betrayed. Uh, and he said, if I am lifted up from the earth, talking about his crucifixion, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Isn't this interesting? It's not Jesus' power that draws people to himself, but his weakness and his death. Now, plenty of people followed Jesus when he was working miracles and, and teaching the great things. He had plenty of followers, but then they would leave him. And the gospel writers, the, the language seems to imply that the same people who were following Jesus, the same people who are welcoming Jesus in to Jerusalem, the cheering crowds the week before his crucifixion, it's the crowds that are baying for his blood at Passover. But nevertheless, when the dogs are nipping at our heels, angels and miracles even aren't the saviour we need. Jesus is. Though Jesus would be kind, it'd be nice to have the occasional miracle. But when we're being attacked by the dogs of insecurity and betrayal or guilt or shame, how often do we not go to Jesus? Very natural response, very human response is us. Dogs attack me. I'm going to get a bigger dog. Because, yeah. you know, frankly, the Christmas story is all good and well, but, you know, throwing a baby at a problem doesn't seem like a very convincing solution, even if that baby is, is God. Hiding behind a man on a cross being executed isn't a very comforting solution always. And so we try to find a bigger dog. What are the bigger dogs we find? Well, maybe we go to psychologists or self-help books or complain to friends or just try to muscle it out and fix the problem. And actually, that's not all bad. You know, they don't hear me saying you shouldn't go to psychologists or anything like that. God has given us friends and God has given us wisdom and God has given us people with insight. But these won't ultimately fix the problem and not our biggest problem can fix the surface things, but our bigger problems of sin and alienation from God. We try to fix a problem. Look, I have to comment too, in our day and age today, sometimes, very often, we'll try to shift the blame for the problem. 
whether it's sin, guilt, and shame, it's my parents' fault. I wasn't raised properly. Or it's society's fault. Or TikTok told me that I'm perfect just the way I am. Just a heads up, you're not perfect just the way you are, and neither am I. But the good news is we are loved. And so we wallow in victimhood, and we're actually told that this wallowing in victimhood is good. But, you know, we know that really things aren't right. And the dogs are still nipping at our heels trying to devour us. We don't need a bigger dog. We need a saviour. The problem is sometimes we just don't like what the saviour means. When we come to Jesus, like the shepherds kneeling before a manger, Or we come to the cross, we have to look up in faith at a dying saviour. But for those who are humble and weak, like those shepherds, this is exactly what they need. And they have the disposition, the heart, to do it. They can come in faith. And so we receive salvation I'm talking about being saved, of course, from our sins and becoming Christians, but also as Christians. You know, God, we continually need salvation, don't we? In day to day, in, day out. We battle against sin and um, temptation. We receive salvation as we come humbly with faith to the baby and to the cross in silence and in awe. It's not the angels, as spectacular as they are, that saves us. It's the baby in the manger. And when we do that, we're silenced. And we're silenced by awe. And our sin and our shame and our self-justification and our victim mentality or whatever it is, is laid bare in the presence of this humble, almighty God. And as we fall silent before him, as we stop trying to justify ourselves or blame others or fight back with the bigger dog, and that's not to say we just give up, but as we trust in the Savior, we find him silencing the dogs. And maybe we can hear the angels singing as well. And at the end of this story, we become like the shepherds who go home rejoicing for all the things they'd seen and heard. Not just a choir of angels, which is spectacular, but a saviour, who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. And I'll invite the band to come up as we do that. Father, we thank you. We are a people and we live in a world that loves power and a spectacle and fame and you come in weakness and humility. Father, help us to have the kind of faith that can bow at the crib, that can bow at the cross, 
and receive your salvation day by day. To walk in the salvation you have given us in Jesus Christ. Amen.